0: It's good to be together again, isn't it? It's good to be together on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, whether you're here in the room with us worshiping together, whether you're online participating and worshiping together with us, it is good to be together in worship this morning. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a busy life. It's a busy weekend. sometimes other things that are going on can get in the way of something that matters more, something that's even more important. I know some of you sports fans among us, you've been caught up at this time of year with March Madness, right? Have you realize the final is set for Sunday? Do you know who's in it? Gonzaga and Baylor. It is back to the Catholics and the Baptists, right? I mean, it's the Reformation all over again, right? And did you, did you see in the Gonzaga game, did you see that, that buzzer-beater free three-pointer from half-court? That 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 bring it to a Catholic university to bring the Hail Mary from football into basketball, right? The Seriously, who, who thought? Who thought that the NCAA would bring prayer back into college basketball? But there we are. You know, it's, it's, I hope when you came in this morning, you got, you got one of these bulletins. And, and uh, what you wouldn't have found in there uh, this time around, unfortunately, is, is there, there, there is a card. And we have these cards over there. They're, they're located two of the places they are. Is they're at this offering box here and back there. Now, if you're a, our guest this morning, if you're visiting with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. And we want to point out that, first of all, that offering is, is the privilege of worship for those who are regular attenders and members here at Brush Prairie Church. But if you're visiting this morning, we would love to serve you in any way we can. We'd love to pray for you in any way we can. So use this card. Let us know. Put your name there. Put If, if there's a prayer request, is there some way that perhaps we could serve you, come alongside, we'd love to know that. If there's a if we would need to contact you further, give us a, an email or a phone number that we can do that. And then just drop that in that offering box and we'll be able to follow up with with you it says on that bulletin if you if you got one of those that believing is seen, but sometimes or rather or rather it, it's, it says believing is seen, but sometimes we turn that around isn 't it? it's like, like we need to see to believe and the things we see are what we believe but what if the things that we see can actually get in the way of how things really are there's um Think about Good Friday and Easter Sunday this weekend. We move from Palm Sunday to Good Friday to Easter. Talk about swings and emotions. You know, the writer to Ecclesiastes says, It's better to go to a funeral than a party. It's a strange statement, isn't it? It's better to go to a funeral than a party. Why? Because death is the end of every man, and let the living take it to heart. There's a facing of our mortality that comes in a funeral. Well, in this weekend, Good Friday was the funeral. That's where we're remembering his death. And yet we remember it in hope. Just as we do to one who believes in Jesus, even when they leave us, that there's that hope that goes beyond that grave. And yet we come to Easter Sunday as the party. We come to Resurrection Sunday, and now it's a time to celebrate. But what if, what if we are, in fact, living in resurrection, but as if we're still from the funeral? That actually is more common than we'd want to admit. We're living in resurrection. We're on resurrection ground, and yet perhaps we're still stuck in the funeral. It's hard for us to realize what that's like because we hear the story again, but we already know the end of it. We know the final outcome, and it, it, it sort of washes over us as a familiar story, maybe too familiar. But what if we could go back? What if we could hear the story as it began to unfold? What if we could hear it as the light began to come on? That's what I'd like to do this morning. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament occurs on the road to Emmaus, where believing, in fact, led to seeing. So I'd like to step back. I'd like to take us back in time. I'd like to be able to tell this story, a familiar story for us, but I'd like to tell it from their perspective. I'd like to step into the shoes of a man named well his parents named him Cleopatras. And because of that, he chose to go by Cleopas or maybe even Cleo. But I wanna I wanna step into the steps of Cleo this morning and remember this story from or try to understand the story from their perspective. And I mentioned how it seems like sometimes we can Beyond resurrection ground, but it's still as if we were at a funeral. And so at a funeral, in mourning, that's when you wear the sackcloth and a walking stick, because it's time to go home. It's time, if we can, to leave town. We would have left even earlier. If we could. But let me back up a little bit and set the stage for us. We had come to Jerusalem for Passover. We'd actually come a little earlier because, you see, we were followers of Jesus. Jesus was a, was a, a, a prophet. He was obviously the one sent from God, and we thought he was the Messiah. And now it was Passover. Passover. And just as Passover was that time when God had delivered His people from oppression, just as Passover led to the exodus, the exit of Israel out of Egypt, so maybe this Passover God would do it again. Maybe in this Passover God would lead His people out of Roman oppression, that he would release us from Rome and that Messiah would bring in his glorious age of prosperity and blessing in Messiah's kingdom. That's what we hoped for. And yet, what we hoped for did not happen. Instead of a great deliverance, Rome again triumphed. And our hopes were trampled. They murdered our Messiah as if he was just another Passover lamb. That evening, after that horrible event that I don't want to say much more about, The evening after began the Sabbath, from that night into the next day, we would have gotten out of Jerusalem as fast as we could, but because the distance to travel was more than was allowed on the Sabbath, we had to stay. And so we waited through Saturday, and then finally Sunday and daybreak, and now we can leave. But suddenly there's all this confusion. There's all this confusion. Stuff going on about the tomb, and it took a couple hours to to try to get a hold of that. But in the end, it seemed there's nothing to see here. And so we started off. We begin on the road from Jerusalem down to Emmaus, several miles away. As we walked, it was springtime, but we didn't hear the birds singing. We didn't see the signs of new life that were pushing up from the dead things left from the the leaves that were left from the previous fall. No, we, we trudged along, dragging our feet under dreary skies, going home, back to however things were before. As we walked along, we talked among ourselves. We're trying to make sense. What did we miss? What went wrong? How did all of our hopes unravel and fall apart so quickly? How could this be? And as we were talking and turned inward among ourselves, not even paying attention to our surroundings... There was another man on the road that day, and this stranger was walking faster because at some point he overtook us, and then he adjusted his pace to ours. I'm not even sure, because we were not paying attention, how long he walked along with us. Before he greeted us, shalom, 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 peace, peace, but there is no peace. Not for us, not anymore. The stranger asked us. He wanted in on our conversation. He'd overheard some of it, apparently. He said, what is it that you're talking about so intensely that has your souls so downcast? I said, what are we talking about? What else would we talk about? Don't you know what's going on these last days? Are you the only man in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? Huh. I would. I would learn later that actually... We were talking to the only man in all of Jerusalem who knew exactly what was going on. But I get ahead of my story. So he asked us, he said, well, what things? And we said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And so we begin to tell him, you know how it is, we figure we might as well pass the gloom along as we walk. You know how it is when you're, when you're discouraged, when you're downcast, and you're just happy to have somebody else to grumble to? That's kind of where we were. We're happy to pass the gloom along to somebody else as well. And so we, we just begin to unload upon him that, that, oh, where do we start? Well, it started actually back in Galilee. Back in Galilee, we heard of this one named Jesus. Now he was a prophet, mighty in both word and deed before God and all the people. He was proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Messiah's kingdom. And he was not only talking about it, but he was doing it. We were living in it. We saw people healed. We saw the lame walk. We saw lepers cleansed. We saw the blind regain their sight. Even the dead were raised. Surely this was God's moment. Surely he was the Messiah. What is it about all of these things that we didn't see? What did we miss? What did we not understand? Because as we followed him, we saw even the rulers making schemes and plans against him. They would try to trap him in this and that. And yet it was as if, as it's described in Psalm 2, that God was with him. And when when rulers rebel against the Lord and against his Christ, his Messiah, that the Lord in heaven laughs. He holds them in derision. He has said to them, I will set my king on my holy hill in Zion. And there's nothing that you guys can do about it. And yet, just when we thought that it was all going to happen, they did something about it. You see, the week started off just like Zechariah the prophet had said. Jesus entered into, into the city with a, with a great reception from the crowd, just like the prophets have said, Behold, your king comes, having salvation, riding on a donkey's colt. And Jesus enters in. And yet, it didn't all go as we expected. As as he was coming in the midst of that great procession, the people were responding. They were taking branches and and laying them down in the path. They were even taking their coats and, and throwing them down in the street. Just as Isaiah had said, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The king had come. This was the moment that all of us had been waiting for. And now it was the eve of Passover. And remember what I said about Passover. Passover was the day of deliverance. Passover was redemption into freedom and new life. God had done it before. Was God about to do it again? There was this this anticipation in the air. It was as if all of Jerusalem held their breath. Was God again going to do a mighty work of deliverance on Passover that was more than anybody was expecting or could see? But instead, late that night, Under cover of darkness, they arrested Jesus. They drug him away to a secret trial. And there, they railed against him and they condemned him. They wanted him dead, but there was their problem. They couldn't do it. They needed the Romans for that. And so they, early in the morning, before others would be out and about and know what was going on, what was being done, they drug him before Pilate at Pilate's Praetorium, the old palace of Herod the Great. And there, before Pilate, first Pilate questioned him, wanted to release him. Pilate wanted to resist as if he knew what they were up to, or at least that it was no good. But in the end, like almost every political leader, Pilate caved and Jesus was crucified. We thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But apparently not. Through that night and through the Sabbath, it was hard to even hold on to a faint hope because we had seen Them take his cold and lifeless body down from the cross. We had seen the blood running out of him. We had seen them lay his lifeless form into a cold stone tomb, and the tomb was rolled shut. As if our hopes, as if our faith in God and his deliverer were closed up in there as well. It's over. But then, on Sunday morning, just when we were about to leave, as I mentioned, the, some, of, some of the women who had also followed him, they went to the tomb, and their, their expectation that morning was just to bring spices and oils and ointments, and they were going to anoint his body for a proper burial. That's what they, that which they could not have done before because the Sabbath day was at hand. And so early when Sabbath was over, there they came to the tomb. But they found that the tomb had been opened. And the body was not there. And they came back to us frantic with some fantastic story. They said, they said that they had seen angels and that these angels had told them that Jesus wasn't dead, that Jesus was alive. You know, you know how emotional women can get sometimes? Now, now, I know some of you women are sitting there thinking, well, if you men would only listen to us a little more often, because sometimes we see things the way that you don't see it. All right, all right, that's true. But, but, but let's not get ahead of the story. So the women came, and they had this fantastic story. And so some of, some of his disciples went quickly to check it out. What could have happened? And Peter and John, they ran to the tomb, and they found it just the way that the ladies had said the tomb was open. The grave clothes were lying there. But they didn't see Jesus. His body wasn't there. Not only have they murdered our Messiah, not only have they crushed our hope, but now they've stolen away his body. (coughs) We don't even have a grave that we can go to grieve at. At this point, the stranger who was walking along with us, he was listening to us as we unfolded all of this. And finally, it was like he'd had too much. He couldn't keep listening to all that we were saying. He was shaking his head and finally he interrupted and he said, You guys, you guys, you don't even see what's right in front of you. He said, Why are you so slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have said? What do you mean? We don't see. We saw it all. We saw his ministry, we saw his miracles. We heard him speak, and we saw him die. What do you mean we're slow to believe? We have believed. For three years we believed. We, in fact, believed that he was the one. And in fact, if Jesus is not the Messiah, there isn't going to be a Messiah because nobody else has ever done the things that he said and did. But just when we were expecting God to deliver us, that which we hoped for did not happen. And if it's not Jesus, there is no Messiah. If God has not left us with any help, then we are left without hope in the world. Back to some form of life or not as we knew it before. But he wasn't done with us. He said, wait, 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 wait. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah first to suffer and to enter into his glory? Necessary for the Messiah to suffer? Is that what the prophet said? That's not what we were expecting at all. And he said, well, let's go back to the beginning and then... From first the books of Moses and then all the prophets, he began to walk us through in all of our scriptures the things concerning Messiah. Some things, it seemed that as he told these stories, it's like we hadn't heard these before. Or at least not like this. First, he took us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And he said, remember, right after the fall, right after the curse, did not God promise to the woman that there would be a unique son born to the woman in the future, and he would be the one who would crush the serpent's head finally and fully? And yet, would not first that serpent strike him down? And then he went on in in the book of Genesis to Abraham. He said, wasn't Abraham's son Isaac dead to him for three days as they journeyed to those same mountains of Jerusalem. And then just as, as, as they walked and as Isaac questioned where was the sacrifice, Abraham told him, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. And so he walked us through the sacrifices of the Old Testament. He said that those sacrifices, every one of them, they could only point to, they represented and pointed to an ultimate sacrifice, God's sacrifice that was coming. He said if those lambs, if those rams could take away your sin, then then why did they have to be repeated day after day, year after year? He said those Lambs could only point to that coming Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. Now, that caught our attention because that's what John the Baptizer had said. And yet he had said it about Jesus. He went on to talk about Joseph. Wasn't Joseph that special, unique son of Jacob, that favored son of Israel? Wasn't he also rejected by his brothers? They threw him into a pit, and they went back to his father, and to his father he was dead. They showed him the bloody clothing that was left. And yet, God raised Joseph out of that pit, and God took Joseph, and God made Joseph the ruler and savior, not only of Egypt, but all the world around. In fact, even those brothers who had rejected him Joseph would also be their rescuer, their savior as well. He said that's the way it would be with Messiah. He took us to Isaiah, where Messiah is God's special servant, God's favored servant. And yet this servant would be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That he would bear our sorrows, he would carry our grief That he would be wounded for our sin. He would be bruised or crushed for our iniquities. That the chastisement, the punishment for our peace would fall upon him. That by his wounds we would be healed. Isn't that what was said about Messiah? That it would in fact please God to crush his life out of him. And yet that after all of that, that God would prolong his days, that God would exalt him. How could that be? How could that be that God would crush his Messiah and then he would prolong his life, then he would exalt him? Well, he said, Daniel said the same thing. Didn't Daniel lay out God's plan? Yes, Daniel laid out a plan that would lead us into God's kingdom that would never end. Well, Daniel said that in order to put an end to sin and to bring in everlasting righteousness, that the Messiah must first be cut off. And not for his own sin, but for the sins of others. And yet after Messiah is cut off, then he would bring in God's everlasting kingdom. And the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he would reign forever. And that's what we were longing for. That's what we were expecting. But, wait, we said. Again, if Messiah is cut off, if Messiah is killed, then how can Messiah reign? It seemed like a good question. And yet he answered it with a question. He said, well, why does David say, Lord, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay? but that God would raise him from the dead. Isn't that what he says in the prophet Hosea when he says that after two days he will revive us? On the third day he will raise us up, that we will live with him. On the third day he will raise us up? You mean the women were right? Now that was more than we were expecting. (laughs) How could all of this be? That the Messiah wasn't merely to rescue us from Rome? That the Messiah was actually going to rescue us from death itself? You know, sometimes it's when our hopes have been ruined. It's when that which we had our confidence in, that which we are are expecting has been dashed, has been taken away, that that's when we can only look up. And that's when God shows us what He's really doing and what's really going on. And He says... That's what's happening here. He said, in fact, you guys being on this road today, you are here because God's word concerning Messiah is true. What God has said in his word is being lived out in your life. We said, what do you mean? Our expectations were, were not realized. What we saw that would happen did not happen. He said, well, didn't Zechariah also say, strike the shepherd'?" And the sheep will be scattered. And here you are on this road from Jerusalem scattering. Our very lives are living examples. Vindicating out of our own experience that God's word is true. What he has said is real. And so also... But after strike the shepherd and the sheep are being scattered, he said, doesn't Zechariah also go on to say that he will pour out his spirit upon humanity and they will look upon their Messiah whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And doesn't Zechariah go on to say in the final chapter that when they believe on him, that the Messiah will come again and he will step onto the Mount of Olives and he will establish his kingdom and that all the nations will come up to Jerusalem to submit to the Messiah, God's king, and to celebrate life in him. We'd never heard it all put together like that before. We'd never heard somebody to explain the Scriptures so clearly and yet powerfully and with such authority before. Or had we? As we were talking along and all this was just carrying us away, we looked up and Emmaus was just before us. We were already there. Our new friend seemed as if he would continue on, that there was some place else that he needed to be but we prevailed upon him please stay with us we want to hear more we want to talk more we have more questions and and besides the, the afternoon is going long and there's not much daylight left and and uh stay with us we would love to break bread with you and so we prevailed upon him and he stayed and when he joined us at the table we asked him could he please bring the blessing Ask God's blessing on our food because obviously he was some kind of rabbi or something. And it was there. As he blessed the bread at our table, it was like we were carried back to that day in Bethsaida several years earlier. How that we'd had but a few loaves and a couple of fish to feed these 5,000, and we brought it to Jesus, and Jesus blessed it and gave thanks, and he gave it back to us to give to others, and everybody there, all 5,000 were filled, and there was much left over for others. And it was just after that, it was just after that that Peter had confessed that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet when Peter had confessed that, Jesus had warned us, even then, Jesus had said to us that the Messiah must be rejected by the scribes and the rulers. And he would be arrested and he would be killed. And yet on the third day, he would rise again. And as He gave thanks for that bread, and he took it, and he broke it, and he gave it to us. It was then that we saw on each wrist the nail prints right where they would have been from when they had crucified him. Jesus had died for us, and Jesus was alive. We had seen it with him in God's Word. He had shown it to us and we believed and we saw him. And then, just so quickly, he vanished from before us. But we didn't need to see him now to believe. We had seen it from God's word. We had now seen him. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And we were beside ourselves. Take off. Take off the morning clothes. Take off the sackcloth. Jesus is risen. What are we going to do now? We are beside ourselves. Well, we've got to go. We've got to tell the others. The others back in Jerusalem, they don't know. They don't Believe it, they, they haven't yet realized that Jesus is alive. So we've got to go and tell them. We've got to tell Peter and James and John and oh Thomas. Thomas is such a practical skeptic. Thomas is never going to believe this. And so we raced up the road back to Jerusalem. Yeah, the day is, the, the, the day is late and night is coming, but the Lord is our light. Yes, it's uphill all the way back, but on those mountains as we climb, how beautiful are going to be these feet that bring the gospel of such good news. Yes, night is going to be coming along the way, and it's not a safe place to be out and traveling on the road, but the Lord is risen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom will we fear? And so we started off again. You could say we got our second wind. Oh, you have no idea. It was as if God himself carried us up those steps and up that hill. We got back to Jerusalem, and we found the others all gathered together, and we said to them, Jesus is risen. And they said, yes. He's he's appeared to Peter also. He is risen indeed. There's more to tell to the story, of course. But let's pause here. Because perhaps you're something like us on that road to Emmaus that day. Perhaps like us, you have heard. You have heard about Jesus. You have heard of the things that he did. You have heard even that he died. And you know that some believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. But what others believe hasn't changed anything for you. You probably have said at one point or another, I'll need to see it to believe it. But what if you have that backwards? What if, like us, you need to believe it in order to see it? What if, again, you were to consider what God has said about us and about Him from His Word? What if our own lives, even our running away, is exactly what the Scriptures say? And we can believe Him about our own experience and we can believe God about what He's told us about His Son, our Savior, our Messiah, that He did die for us and rise again. And that if you believe it, you will see Him and He will change your life. Now maybe more of you also share something with us on that road to Emmaus. Somewhere along the way, as you're traveling in life, there's going to come a time that you have believed and you have followed him, and yet the circumstances at present, the troubles of today, seem to cloud and obscure what you have known about him. And you're not sure at some points deep in discouragement. You're not even sure what's, which way is up. You're not even sure what you believe anymore. Maybe you need what we also needed. Maybe you need to spend some time with your Lord and to have Him open up the Scriptures again to you, to spend some time walking through them with Him, reading of Him there, hearing from Him there, following Him again from His Word. And as you do and as you believe Him, there you will see Him. You know, maybe instead of letting the troubles define what we believe about Jesus, what if we let what we know about Jesus define what we believe about the troubles? What are we going to do now? Well, just like we left Emmaus because we had to go and tell. I hope that you will leave here this morning in the same way that we left Emmaus. I hope that there's somebody already on your mind. I hope there's a Peter. I hope there's a Thomas. I hope there's those women who were right after all and that you're going to run and tell others. You're going to rejoice and celebrate together that Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed and they need to hear it from you. It's good to hear from our friend Cleopas. And yet, we leave the story a familiar story. And like those two sitting in Emmaus, what are they now going to do? That's the question that's left for us. What are we going to do if we know that Jesus is risen? Can we believe it? What are we going to do with it? I'd like to pray for you as we close this morning. Would you bow your heads and join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is risen. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is more for us even than we realize. Father, in fact, he is more for us day by day in the midst of the present troubles as well as for all eternity. He's more for us than we realize. Lord, I pray this morning For those who are here this morning still wondering about these things that others believe about Jesus, can he really change our lives? Father, I pray that you would show Jesus to them, that you would show that he is in fact your son, our savior, that he died in our place for our guilt and our shame, that he would give them eternal life, life with him both now and forever. If they just believe you concerning Jesus, who loves them, who gave himself for them. And Father, for we who believe, Lord, would you remind us of what we know to be true? Would you set before us our risen Savior? Would you show him to us clearly from your word? Would you show his power in our lives that we would also be able to rejoice in him and to tell him to others. Lord, there are people around us that need to hear as well that Jesus is risen. Lord, send us. Help us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.